Yo, yo, what's good, everyone? And welcome to a very special episode of the world-famous Behind the Baller podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an award-winning, globally chart-topping business show. I am your host, Ben Baller, not Ben Humble, a.k.a. the Korean John Cusack, a.k.a. Baby Harambe, a.k.a. the Bernadoodle Whisperer, a.k.a. Mr. K-Town, a.k.a. Mr. Fuck You, a.k.a. Mr. Bad Back, and a.k.a. Mr. 24 Days Without an Instagram Account. Guys, I have been permanently banned from TikTok, and I don't even fucking use that app, all right? Like, like really, for real. Like, I'll post some shit here and there, and I kind of, I went a damn near a year without even posting anything. Like, I've never even left a comment on someone's page, like, hey, fuck you, or whatever. Never did anything. I've never violated a rule. Shit's wild right now. The hate is super real. But guess what? The love is realer. All right? Life is very good. Life is very generous. BTB Army, this episode is a special one for all you football fans out there, especially all my 12s out there. Guys, gals, we got all pro defensive back Quandre Diggs of my beloved Seattle Seahawks on BTB today. I'm asking him the real, not the soft shit, okay? We are coming to you live and direct from Los Angeles, home of Super Bowl 56, home of the gangbang, by the way. Um, It's been 80 plus degrees over the last few days, and it's going to be 85 degrees today. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I wish I had more time. I wish I was free. I would take my kids swimming, but uh, I am going to the NFL Honors the NFL Honors is like the Academy Awards for the NFL. Um, it's going to be crazy. It's here in L.A., right next to SoFi Stadium. Um, so, yeah, uh, let me tell you guys what's good. Uh, now, I'll tell you what's bad. My Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, man. My Lakers. The Lakers are straight basura. Straight trash. Lakers are four games under 500. And last night, we lost to a fucking G League team. Put the whole fucking Lakers squad in rice. Trade everyone. If I, They don't fucking trade everyone by the deadline today. And I'm dead serious. Le, trade LeBron. Trade everyone. LeBron James and AD couldn't beat a team of fucking YMCA players. I don't think you guys realize nobody who played for the Blazers last night makes over $800,000 a year salary. Okay? Now, we can't even blame Russ for last night because he didn't even fucking play. All right? We are do-do. We might not fuck around and make the goddamn uh, play in fucking turning. Fuck the playoffs. Like, yo... All-Star game is next weekend. Shit is just so bugged out to me. I don't even fucking know. This month is so crazy to me. I, look, the IG thing ain't bugging me, but the fact that there are things that I, you know, there's some people that I do need to talk to and there's other things that are just irritating me. I got a big, today is a big day for me. Okay. And I'll get into that, you know, 
after the interview. But what day is today? Oh, today is the 10th. Okay. In two weeks, it'll be me and my wife's 10-year wedding anniversary. 12 years together, 10 years married. That is a fucking milestone. No one, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now. 10 years married in today's age, that's some shit. Especially with my life, it's fucking crazy. So it's a lot going on this month. I want this month to just kind of be over with. I'm, we're going to go somewhere really tropical, really nice. Um, By the way, guys, I am not going to be able to bring my fucking podcast equipment. So um, I'll probably give you guys an episode for that Thursday. But that Sunday, there's no damn way. My wife will never, just, just won't let it happen because I have been, you know what I'm saying? Like I just, it, it just ain't going to happen. But a lot of disappointments, you know. Um, again, life is good. You know, I, I'm, I can't complain, but I will complain. You know, I demand more out of life. And, you know, there's just been disappointments that's been happening. The Lakers, I think about the Lakers. And I think about the Seahawks. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? But before we get into this interview, I got to say one good thing. Cryptocurrency is up, right? I got some good news for uh, my NFT fam. And uh, we can try to close that out. But, uh, you know, I'm trying to get motherfuckers, you know, um, chained up. And uh, I spoke to some of the highest blockchain, some of the highest Ben Baller blockchain holders. Dudes invested like real bread, like Mercedes-Benz sedan bread into my project. And it's, it's wild because there's so much that I can't even really discuss. But, you know. We're going we to make this shit happen. I got some dope ideas. I got some big shit coming. In fact, it's so crazy. My boy Gary Vee's here. Uh, uh, Pomp is here. I don't know if I'll see him. Uh, gang of parties out here right now. Yo, traffic is so fucking bad. That's another thing too. I was leaving my store yesterday. And I'm on La Cienega. And from La Cienega to sunset, it should just take me, I don't know, five minutes realistically, you know? And that's like, you know, that's not that bad. You know, maybe one and a half songs. This shit took me motherfucking 30 minutes. West Hollywood, everything is fucking crazy. There is not one single, even two-star hotel that is available in LA right now. LA is full-blown fuckery. It is wild. I ran into Kanye a couple nights ago. Um, I ran into a bunch of people. And I'll get into that in a little bit as well. But one thing that just I have to talk about right now, because I'm talking about things that have disappointed me. Is I have praised Dave Chappelle. I have talked real good about this man. I've known Dave Chappelle for shit. I made I met Dave in '94, so my math ain't that great. Even though you know it used to be um, 28 years, right? Known this man through a meltdown, all that shit. That Sticks and Stones most recent stand-up he did was brilliant. It was so just incredible. Everything about it was really, really, really just, man. I wish there was a word that was even beyond articulate. He was just, he just broke it down. And, and, and I, I fuck with him. Past the cancel culture, you know. If he defends Joe Rogan, I don't think he had. But if it, I like, dog, I'll, I'll lose it. And again, I'm not with the cancel culture shit. If you don't like Joe Rogan, don't listen to his fucking show. The problem with the whole 
everyone bitching about it is it's like 75% of the people that are the loudest about Joe Rogan, they don't even fucking have Spotify. They just want to bitch and moan for no reason. They want to complain for no reason. But the reason why I'm disappointed with Dave right now is I don't know what went wrong, bro. Like, yeah, you got a lot of bread. You're killing it. You know, you, I guess, move that out. You know, you don't have a crib in LA anymore. You don't have a crib wherever. You know, you got a, a crib in Yellow Springs, Ohio, right? It's just a suburb outside of Dayton, Ohio. And Dave Chappelle went to an actual town hall meeting, like a real meeting for his city and told all the fucking, the mayor, I guess, the whole city ordinance, whatever the fuck, you you know, all the city officials that, and let me rewind, sorry. So the city of Yellow Springs, Ohio, the area he's from, or he lives in, sorry, was trying to build affordable housing. You know, opposite of fucking gentrification, you know, just affordable housing for, you know, the middle class workers out there, whatever. Supposedly like a really nice area. Um, it's like Thousand Oaks, California. I don't know if anybody who doesn't know, it's like Thousand Oaks is right outside where, where, of where Will Smith lives. And, you know, there it's, you know, 45 minutes from LA. But it's not even fucking, it's Ventura County, but it's like a, it's like a different, you know, vibe out there. And uh, they want to build affordable housing, you know, not low income, but, you know, affordable housing. And, and he went and said, yo, why are you guys playing with me? Like, why are you guys taking this lightly? You think like you're trying to pull my hoe card. And I forgot the exact word he used, but he said, I will pull my $65 million that I've invested into this town out if you do this affordable housing. Now, if I'm fucking misunderstanding this whole situation, please help me understand. Someone tell me if I'm wrong on this one. But I live in a very nice neighborhood. And if they're going to fucking build affordable housing somewhere near, man, fuck it. I don't think they could, you know, but what I'm saying is, you know, it's it's more, it's already an established area. It's not like it's some small suburb town. You know, I live, you know, in fucking Hollywood, you know, it's like different. But like, Dave, what, what, bro, what happened? Like, what's going on, bro? Like, you can't have middle-class people around you? Like, I, that, like, I don't get it. And I just, man, that's just, fuck, that hits me different, you know? And trust me, there's a snob in me with certain things, but like, I guess it's a different tax bracket, right? And I don't think I'm that far off, to be honest with you, you know? Let me know, in fact, in real time, Fuck this. Real time. We're going to fucking Dave Chappelle net worth. Okay, that's wrong. I'm saying he's worth 50 mil. That's definitely not right. But anyways, look, I don't know what happened, bro. And there's a reason why I got rid of my Rolls Royce. There's a reason why I got rid of my Lambo um, truck. And there's reasons why I got rid of certain things. I just Not that I don't feel like I shouldn't be in it. I just feel like, man, I don't know. what This, this shit don't, it, it ain't me. And I'm I'm working on a JDM card right now. It's, it's going to take a few months. And then at that point, I'm going to see, all right, am I really about this life or am I not? And that's I'm straying away from the subject, but what I'm getting at is my life is beyond good. There's really not much that I really want to do other than travel and hold down what I already got, you know? And I know people be like, well, motherfuckers, you got, you got hyper cars. I'm like, I, I do. I do. And I'm probably going to get rid of, you know, one of them. And, you know, uh, 
I'm just in a different place, man. You know, it's and, and with cars, it's like, it's crazy because once you get to a, a McLaren 720, everything is so fucking fast now that it don't matter. So if you have a 765, an F8 Tributo, or like whatever, it's like, bro, you know, it's really the driver at that point. You get really silly with this shit. You know, that F90 is obviously stupid fast, but it's like, I don't know at this point, you know, like, and I'm just not really feeling the way these cars drive now. They, they're amazing, but the way they sound, you know, they say sound bitch made. I miss getting into my GT3. I miss getting into my 458. You know, I miss getting into even my FF and hearing that naturally aspirated car. I'm not really a twin turbo dude. And I don't know. Everything's just getting soft. We getting softer by the day. So look, we're going to get into this interview. I need everyone to stay strong. I need everyone to stay strong. Rest in peace to Harambe. Thinking about you right now, man. Dick's out for Harambe. Um, let's get into this interview. I really want to highlight the fact that I really appreciate Quandre coming on this show because I know a lot of Seattle media is questioning here and there. And we got a, a you know a friendship and uh, you know we boys outside of the whole NFL football shit and the Seahawks stuff. And that's my dog. So look, we're going to take a real quick commercial break and jump into this interview. Yo, Miles, man. You already know, dog. Hit me off with that lakey lake. We'll be right back, y'all. Supercharge your knowledge, your sales, and your success. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. I love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Synchronize your online and in-person sales. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash baller, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash baller right now. Shopify.com slash baller. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need all in one place. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, 
NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash baller. Head to netsuite.com slash baller for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash baller. Yo, 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 what's good, BTB Army? Everyone listening, and of course, all my 12s out there, you are tuned into the world-famous, award-winning Behind the Baller podcast. This is the most unorthodox business, lifestyle, and culture podcast out there, but this is also the unofficial 12s podcast. No, I'm not a member of the Seattle or NFL media, but I am a diehard 12, and before the Super Bowl win, all right, y'all? So listen, we do get real deep in the 12s talk here on the show, and right now we got my dude who's been on the show already. So not only is he a two-time All-Pro Bowl first-team safety, he is a two-time All-Pro Bowl behind-the-baller podcast guest. He is the top three safety in the entire NFL. He plays for my beloved Seattle Seahawks. He used to wear number 37, but now he rocks number six because he be picking six. We got my dude, the infamous, the interception king, Quandre Diggs. What's good, Nino? (laughs) What's good, my dog? Was that a good intro for you or what, man? Man, I see you hyping me up. I appreciate all the hype. You know that. Yeah, dog. It's good to have you back, man. A lot has changed. You know, um, you know, I was rocking with you even back, you know, your first time coming on to the team. And I was like, yo, my dude is, I fuck with him. You know, I played DB in college. So I just had like, a, you know, I, I'm excited to get you back on, especially from what's been going on, you know, in, in your career. But uh, how are you feeling, bro? Like, how was the leg, dog? I mean, I'm getting better, bro, day by day. You know what I mean? It's a it's a constant. For me, I'm a I'm an active person, bro. So, like, I'm always moving around and cleaning and, you know what I mean? I'm I'm a, I'm super OCD, so for me, it's hard for me to sit down. But, I mean, this scooter I got, I call it the Rolls Royce Color, and I got, you know what I mean? <laughs> I got my scooter going, so, I mean, I'm getting a, I'm getting around good, and, I mean, I I mean, I mean just did some rehab, a lot of strengthening work around, like, my glutes, quads, and stuff like that, just to make sure all those things would be good when I get back walking in a couple weeks. I mean, have you ever broke a bone before, like, during, or had a major injury like this in your pro career? I never broke a bone, you know what I mean? I never broke a bone. I fractured a bone, actually, um, a couple years ago in Detroit, but it was in my hand, you know what I mean? So, like, I was able to cast that up and keep playing. Um, but, like, I've never, like, broke a bone, and I heard this shit when it, uh, when it broke. I actually heard it when it happened. When I saw that, bro, you don't even want to know what I was I – mean, I was ready to – dog, sitting at home, too. Like, I was like, man, bro – but I'm glad, you know what I'm saying, you're going to make a full recovery. I'm hyped. Uh, how's the family? Everyone's good? I mean, the family's good, bro. Everybody's good. I mean, we just were able to enjoy some time out in Vegas for the Pro Bowl. Uh, my little one started her first day of school today. So, um, I mean, everything's good. Me and my girlfriend's good. She's working. So, I mean, we all good this way, bro. Right. So Pro Bowl was cool. Vegas was all good. Yeah, Vegas was all good, bro. Um, fun times out there with the fam. You know, I got to take them to practice and do some activities. And, you know, we got to walk around. And um, my daughter was able to play with my brother's kids and just hang out for the week. You know, it was cool just to have my mom, my dad, and, you know, my aunt and stuff out there also. So it was a cool little experience. 
Yeah, I'm not gonna tell nobody. I heard you was hanging out with Alvin Kamara, bro. You know, but it's all good, man. I'm just not playing time, with you. Lunch time, man. AK, my dog, though. That's man. my bro. Hey, no, no, no cap. That's my dude. I told you, you know, before the night, I see, you see me at my hotel. You know, he popped up on me. I was like, ah, oh, bro, if you don't get away from me right now, dog, I'm not trying to talk to you, man. Like, you know. But yo, Q, let's get right into it. Let's start the interview, dog. Let's get right into it, like for real, for real. Um, does it look like your free agent money is coming in from Seattle? And if it doesn't, what's your next move? I mean, at this point, I mean, it's kind of too early to tell. I know it's definitely interest from both parties. You know what I mean? Of course, we want to keep what we what we have going. You know what I mean? I think that's the main thing is like trying to see where they stand and where I stand. You know what I mean? At this point, we don't know. It's only February. You know what I mean? The Super Bowl isn't over yet. Free agency starts, I mean, in a month and a half. Um, so, I mean, we'll know some around then, you know what I mean? We both, I know it's, like I said, I know it's interest on both sides. I've talked to them a few times, just, you know, checking on me to see how my body's feeling, see how I'm recovering, the rehab process. And, um, you know, John and Pete, they've been really good at this whole time, you know, just checking on me and trying to see, you know, where my mind is and kind of, do I want to be back? You know, like what could they do differently? So, I mean, it's been cool, you know. I mean, it's been cool to get that attention. And, um, I mean, I got some great teammates in Seattle that I would love to continue uh, being teammates with. So, I mean, if it works out the right way, it does, I, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, I got to be compensated fairly and to what I've earned, you know what I mean? It's, it's not too many guys can say, you know, they're back-to-back Pro Bowl starters, um, guys that have back-to-back five-interception season. I mean, I'm the only person in the NFL with – uh, three interceptions in five years straight. You know what I mean? So I have an argument, you know what I mean? Nah, to be bro, one, come on. One of the top rated, top paid safeties. So um, let's see how it goes. You act like you don't follow my social media. You don't see me cheerleading out there, but like, yo, I'm punching someone in the mouth. They don't give you your money, you know? Like, do you got players from other teams right now hitting you up? Like, yo, dog, come join us. Come on, man. You know that. <laughs> you know that, bro. You know that. You know it's cats around the league. You know that that want me to come out and join them, and you know be there and start our own thing together. You know what I mean? But yeah. if it was up to me, bro, if it was up to me, honestly, if I could, you know, re up in Seattle and get that deal done, I think that would be uh, a great decision. But like I said, at the end of the day, everything got to work out for both sides, and you know sometimes it's hard for both sides to come to parties. And if we don't, I know I'll have other interests elsewhere. So you know, I'm not even gonna sweat it, bro. Hey, dog, I'll say this, man. A couple months ago, um, I've been thinking about this all season, though. You know what I'm saying? As far as your paper, we, you know, briefly talked about shit likely. You know, I don't put business out there like down the internet, you know. And you know I'm a different man on the internet and what I am, a family man, husband, and dad at home. So, no like, questions. you know, a couple months ago, you taught me, like, yo, bro, I got to get paid. But, dog, ideally, like, I want to stay here. And that meant a lot to me. I never said it leaked it to the media. never said nothing like that, you know. And I, that meant a lot to me because, you know, dog, I do want you to be, you know, stay here. You feel me? Right. So, look, man, last season, I think about all this shit like, you know what's crazy is the season before, right, 2020, a lot of games that we won were like coin toss. It could have went either way. You feel me? Like, and that's just how, sometimes it's just how it is with any team. But with like this time, I felt like, damn, we got the short end of the stick. You know, like the coin went the other way or whatever it may be. And, but at the, the overall consensus of, of how I feel about last season is nobody whooped us. Like, period, okay? The Packers, they shut us out, fine. 16 points, though. Like, 
the leading defense in the NFL averaged just over 17 points allowed. So it's like we lost barely by a few points on several occasions. I'm asking you, what do you think the biggest problem was for the Hawks last season? Or was it like a combination of a lot of things? I would say, I think, you know, from the previous seasons, from me being there, we always emphasize finishing. You know I mean? We always want to finish. We want to get to the fourth quarter and we always finish stronger and we do the little things better than anybody else in the world. So for us, you know, I don't think we did that to the best of our abilities last year. And, um, you know, I think we would get in these close games and, you know, we'll get a penalty here or we'll get a penalty there. You know, the offense might get a hold and we get pushed back 15 yards or the defense might get an unnecessary uh, unnecessary penalty, you know, a 15-yard penalty here or, you know, a hands to the face or something like that that just would keep drives going and not giving our offense time to get back on the field and go make a play. And then when those guys get it, we would get holding calls and, you know, we just didn't finish. And in the NFL, that's what it's all about. It's all about finishing. You know, um, we used to always emphasize when I was in Detroit that you play your best football after Thanksgiving. And it's similar to what we emphasize in Seattle. You know, we play our best football, you know, to end it. But in the fourth quarter is where you really finish the game and finish those tough games. And that's what we kind of pride ourselves on. And we ain't do that. You know, we had some mistakes by everybody. And, you know, I think it was stuff that could be fixed every day. But we got to the end of the season. It was like, well, we can fix this. But it got too late in the season. and We were already eliminated from the playoffs. I mean, you're talking about, you know, like, look, Let's get into this. I'm going to jump real quick. The, the flag caught throwing, bro, is going out of control, dog. It's getting to the point where I'm like, look, look, man, what's your opinion on the officiating right now in the NFL with, like, taunting, roughing the passer calls? When you got ejected to see, you know, that one game, I was ready to kill somebody, right? And, like, they're trying to make football, football, bro, American football, less of a contact sport. It's getting ridiculous, bro. Like, do you think some of the rules need to change? I, I would say this. I think it's very inconsistent. You know, I mean, I think the NFL is very inconsistent on their calls. And don't get me wrong, the refs have a tough job. Yeah, they do. But we got a tough job, too. You know what I mean? Like, you're trying to tell me, you know, if I accidentally graze a guy in his helmet, accidentally graze, not hit him completely in the head, but if I graze him in the helmet, I have a split-second decision where I'm aiming for his chest, he ducks, and I'm already made where I'm going to hit. You know what I mean? I made my decision where I'm going to hit and he ducked and I barely grazed his helmet. You mean to tell me that I can get ejected or I get a 15-yard penalty when it was definitely incidental and you know that. Yeah, I mean, science can't stop a body going up and changing what, like, someone go left, someone go right. What can right, you do? it's not a video game. You know what I mean? It's not like, hey, you catch this ball, you stay up, I'm going to hit you right in the chest. He's going to defend himself just like I got to defend myself. You know what I mean? So for me, I think it's just hard to make those calls consistently. And I think sometimes with these officials, they also get in the bind where they get in trouble if they don't make a call when it happens on the field. Because I've had a couple of referees tell me, like, you know, that's something that's been emphasized. So I had to call that when I didn't even hit the guy. You know, what I mean, I didn't hit him. I stopped and all that. And I go to the ref and I'm like, what can I do? He's like, it's nothing you can do, bro. Like, that's just the way the rules written. That's some bullshit, dog. Like, fuck you mean? Like, <laughs> what kind of shit is that? <laughs> Anyways, so you know, like, between texts, between us and stuff, and uh, I try not to do it too much, especially with the players, right? But I've been complaining about Ken Norton for years, right, as a DC. And, you know, when you came on, I started talking shit like, man, God damn it, boom. But you told me, like, nah, bro, look, man, I fuck with Ken, man. It ain't his fault. You know what I'm saying? Like, I rock with Ken. Like, 
So the question is, he's gone now, but whose defense was it, bro? Was it Ken's or was it Pete's? That's what the big question is with everyone. I mean, I think it was a mixture of both, but in the final say, I think Pete always has the final say over anything. You know what I mean? I think that's just the truth. But does that, does that get in the way, though? You know what I'm saying? For him to, like... You've seen, remember, the Titans, right? Like, you know, Denzel Washington's like, you worry about your defense, I got the offense. Like, right. you know, like, does it mess up with the mojo? Like, I'm just asking you. I think, I think honestly, it can get to a point where sometimes you have too many, what they say, too many cooks in the kitchen. You know what I mean? You got too many people sticking their hand and, and what's going on and, you know, trying to stir the pot. When, you know, you can have one unified voice and if you have one unified voice, that gives everybody else the confidence to know that, hey, this is what the call is and this is what it's going to be. Let's lock in. You know what I mean? And I think last year, I think it would be too much where, you know, it would be we're sitting and we're waiting for a call. We don't know what we're going to get. You know, um, so it was just kind of those things. But I'll also say with Pete and North, they've given me and Bobby a lot of freedom to, you know, if we see something on the field, we can call it. You know, if teams go hurry up, we can call it. Um, so I will say that they gave us that responsibility, but I also think, you know, Pete's been running this cover three scheme for so long. That's kind of what he's been tied to. So, uh, you kind of take your idea of whose defense do you think it really is? You know what I mean? Because, I mean, we know Pete, he basically brought the cover three to that this cover three that we're running. He's brought that to the NFL and, you know, you from the Gus Bradleys to the, you know, the Dan Quinns and, um, all those guys, they've kind of took that and ran with it and made it their own defense. But, you know, Pete and the Legion of Boom and Bobby and KJ, they started this defense throughout the NFL. So guys are catching on to that. So That's what I'm saying. So is it time to change it up? Like, you know. I think Pete is smart enough to understand that, you know, at some point we're going to have to do something different. You know what I mean? We're going to have to, we can still play our cover three, but we got to play more calls than just one. You know what I mean? And personnel aspect also, you know, what I mean, it's not this defense, the defense that I was on. We don't have the same caliber guys that they had in that Legion of Boom defense. You know, what I mean, when those guys were going, those guys had everybody on that defense were making plays and making Pro Bowls and, you know, doing different things. So for us, this is like the personnel also has to to match if you want to play that cover three. So, I mean, then that goes to personnel, right? So like. What's your relationship like with Clint Hurt? Do you think there would be a significant difference with him, you know, as our DC or, you know, different looks? I think, you know, I mean, I, I think Hurt is a great, he's a great teacher. Um, he's a great coach. I think he has a respect of the defense for sure. You know what I mean? And I'm eager to see who they continue to bring in as defensive, you know, defensive back coaches and, you know, linebacker coaches and, you know, D-line coaches, you know. So you never know what kind of scheme they're going to get to, you know what I mean, until they bring in, you know, the the, the DB coaches and the linebacker coaches and, and different stuff. Because once you see what trees these guys come from, you can kind of get an understanding of what type of defense you're going to be running. You know what I mean? If, if he was to go get somebody, you know, that played a lot of – that came from a cover two scheme, you would think that we're going to play a lot of Tampa two. You know what I mean? Yeah. So – for me, it's just kind of understanding and waiting till they bring in who's the assistant coaches. So you can't really make that conclusion until, you know, you figure out who these defensive coaches will be. But, you know, I think I think Hurts is a great teacher and I think the D-line and, and you know, everybody kind of respects him and understands, you know, what he's about. 
All right, man, I look forward to seeing a little bit of change, bro. You know, whether, you know, just some adjustments. What do you think, uh, you know, you being a player, you being in the locker room, you seeing it, you know, firsthand, what are we lacking most right now on the team? Like, what is it on the defense? Is it the, like, what are we lacking right now? You know, I can speak specifically on defense just because that's my side of the ball. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't try to dip in too much on the offense. You feel me? Like, no, nah, for sure. Let the offense do their thing. That's them. You know what I mean? Defense, we do our thing. And I would say on defense, you know, I mean, I don't think we were very good at creating turnovers last year like we have been in the past. You know what I mean? I think we emphasize turnovers so much and then we don't go get it done. And those are big swings in the game. You know what I mean? When we can take the ball from the other team and give it to our offense, give them a chance to go score points. I think that was, you know, one of the main problems we had on defense last year was not getting off the field and not creating turnovers. You know what I mean? And um, you don't have to create turnovers just by getting interceptions. You know what I mean? You can strip the ball. You can punch the ball. You can get strip sacks. You know, you get forced fumbles and all that type of stuff. So I think it's just a mixture of not creating enough turnovers. You know what I mean? Um, The front and coverage not working together. You know what I mean? When the front is having a great rush, we're not in the spot as a DBs to – have enough tight coverage for the front to get the sacks. When we do have tight coverage, sometimes the front isn't correlating with the back end. You know what I mean? So I think we just all need to be on the same page. And I think when Dunlap got going last year, it was a lot easier for the DBs, but we also playing a lot more stickier in coverage, so it was giving them time to get there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think we need to let our rushers rush and let our our pass guys kind of handle the pass, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, me and Jamal, we got a part in the run game in the pass game, but we got to let our best pass versus rush, bro. And we got to let, you know, the back end handle that. And the linebackers, they got run pass responsibilities. And um, everybody has a tough job, you know what I mean? Like, it's no easy way out, you know what I mean? It's it's not that, oh, this guy has a bind right here. I can't really give him that responsibility or give him a minus on that because he had a tough down right here. You know what I mean? It's just got to be – accountability and I think we were lacking a little bit in accountability last year okay so you guys gel together get on the same page next season you're back you get your free agent money I'm asking you bro do you feel that your squad as is your defensive squad sorry you think that defense is a postseason NFL defensive team I mean we gotta be better than we was last year bro like (laughs) it can't be too much worse than we was last year so I mean dog you know I I, I never witnessed nothing like it, you know. But, um, you know, going to special teams, bro, you know, Dixon's my dog and, and everything. And he, he had a great season. And um, uh, I know that's your Texas boy. Uh, but, you know, Jason Myers, he's my boy too, right? Like, you know, we chat, talk about golf, certain things. But, you know, during the season, I'm just like wondering, like, where my dude's mind is, right? Like, he went on a streak. He had, like, the longest uh, field goal streak, 50-plus field goals. I forgot if it was 53, 57, whatever it was, like, without a missed field goal. And then, like, bruh, like, he went to missing shit, you know, cost us some, I mean, technically kind of cost us some L's. I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Have you have you talked to him? Like, you, what do you think happened? I'll say this. I'll say, you know, it's more plays in there besides the J-My missed field goal. You know what I mean? And we told him that. You know what I mean? Like, if we don't have a couple unnecessary roughness penalties, it don't even get to the fact of him having to kick the field goal. You know what I mean? So... For us, we didn't want to lay lay blame on him just because somebody made a bonehead mistake out there and 
boom. You know what I mean? His, uh, it has to come down to him making this game-winning field goal for us to win the game. Or, you know, we don't get a holding penalty and push him back. Or, you know, we don't take a sack and push him back yeah. to make him kick those long field goals. You know what I mean? Those, those hard games like that. And yeah, that's his job, and he knows that's his job. And Jay Ma is one of the best in the league. You know what I mean? I just think sometimes you get in a slump, bro. And, you know, he might have been going through a slump, and, you know, um, it was just a tough, tough opportunity and a couple of tough misses that he normally makes and that we know he makes. You know what I mean? So for me, you know, it could have been a slump. You know, everybody has them. Shit, shit it's, it's been a couple games where, you know, I miss a few tackles that I normally make. And, you know, you just miss them that day and nah, you look at the man. film and, and you chalk them up. That's what it is, bro. You, you like, be, yo, you being humble right now, dog. You really do make your tackles, man. I'm not trying to hear that shit. I'm not trying to. Yo, nah, that's what it is, though, bro. Like, we all do it. You know what I mean? It, I, I missed a tackle against Detroit, but he scored a 50-yard touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, you have those moments where, like, some stuff happened and it stays in your mind for a little bit. And, you know, for kickers, sometimes their job is a little different than ours. If they don't get the credit they deserve when they make the big kicks, but they take all the blame when they miss the big kicks. You know what I mean? So for me, it's kind of like a quarterback, you know what I mean? Or or coach. You don't praise him when he wins, but when you lose, you bash him. You know what I mean? So um, I just think he was in one of those slumps and, you know, hopefully he gets his mind right this offseason. And when he comes back, he'll continue to be one of the best kickers in the world because, I mean, he showed that you know, two years in a row when I was there. And, you know, last year he didn't have his best year, and I think he knows that. I mean, everybody knows when they don't have their best year. And trust me, bro, it ain't like you go into the offseason and we just oblivious and, like, we played terrible and we just yeah. like, nah, but I hey, played man, good. Some dudes are delusional, though. I ain't going to lie to you, bro. Some dudes are Some delusional. cats are delusional. You right about that. Right. So going back to, uh, you know, the middle of the season, or, you know, kind of the middle of the beginning of the season, um, you know, Russ gets hurt. I'm at the game, dog. And I'm like, oh shit, let Gino cook. Like, I thought we was going, I thought, dog, there was a good chance we was going to beat the Rams, you know what I mean, with Gino. And it was, you know, it was getting there and, and you know, it happened, what happened. And, you know, he comes out and, and um, you know, he did his thing. And I was actually really happy, you know, for him. And my thing was, do you think we put Russ back into the uh, Green Bay game too early? You think we should have let Gino play that game? Or what, what did you think about that? Um, I think for me, you know, I mean, only Russ and the team doctors and, you know, Pete and those people knew where, where Three's finger was at that point. You know what I mean? As players, we just trying to farm our land. You know what I mean? So, right. shit, I'm trying to make sure I ain't going to freeze when I get to Green Bay. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. that, you know what I mean? That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, bro, I don't know if Russ, I don't know if he ready, but Three told me he was ready to go. I got to trust in him. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's just how I am. You know what I mean? I trust in him because... Heck, we, you know, like I talk, we always talk about finishing. He's won so many of those games for us that, like, I can't do nothing but take his word. You nah, feel me? Like, for sure. That's all I can do. So only him, his doctors, and Pete and John, those guys can really answer those questions. And, you know, I think as a leader, he wants to be out there for his teammates. You know what I mean? So you can't fault a guy for wanting to go out there and lead his team and be the captain that he is. And... You know, even if he wasn't, if he was a week too early, I mean, hell, I, I played a week too early before and, you know what I mean, nobody ever complained that I was out there too early because you always say, like, if your starter is out there, if 70% of your starter is usually, you want to say is 100% better than what you're going to have behind you because that's just how you think. You know, as a starter, as a superstar in the league, that's what you think about as Russ. So, like, 
I mean, that's just kind of how you take it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, well, if I'm 75% coach, I'm playing. Like, that's just me. You know what I mean? I had a strained calf. I strained my calf in warm-ups against the 49ers. Shit. And I'm like, I had a great two calf strain. I'm just like, bro, I'm playing. Like, what's up with y'all? I'm like, bro, we already down, guys. Like, I'm not going to leave people out there by themselves. And I went through and thugged it out with a grade two calf strain. You know what I mean? It's just, it's certain stuff that, like, you can't take that competitor out of out of the competitor. And that's just what it is, bro. Like, that's legitimately what it is. And I think, you know, three was ready to go. And, you know what I mean? For everything he's done for the organization, you got nah, right. to go out there and play. Bro, I had to make a public apology on my last podcast episode because when he broke that record at the Pro Bowl for the precision record and made Mac Jones look like a little bitty boy, I was like, God damn, bro. Russ really, man. So, you know what? Speaking of Russ, dog, can we just end all the rumors right now, bro? Do you think Russ is going to stay? Is Russell going to stay with the Seahawks or what's good, man? I mean, from everything I've, I've heard him say and from, you know, what other conversations have been, that's what I think. But I'm a, you know, me, bro, I'm unemployed right now, so I can't make that decision. <laughs> Come on, stop the cap, bro. Um, did you hear that Richard Sherman interview on his podcast when he's talking about the 12s and letting Russ Cook is, is holding us back for a Super Bowl? Like, what do you what do you think about that, man? I mean, for somebody that's known Sherm as long as I've known Sherm, I know Sherm is going to say what he thinks. He's going to tell you what he feels, and if you don't like it, you know what I mean? You just live with it. He's not going to show any remorse about it. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure he won't. But I will say this. I think... You know, um, I would not say the fans are selfish or none of that like that. But just being around the NFL for so long as players, you know, my brother, when he played Chargers fans, you know, they Chargers. But when my brother got there, they would they was had the fifth pick two years in a row. So obviously your team not doing well if you got the fifth pick two years in a row. You know yeah. what I mean? And I remember those guys win 11, 12 games, blah, blah. And. You know, they would lose a game, they would boo. You know what I mean? Or or yeah. they would get mad if they won 10 games instead of 12 games. You know what I mean? So I think sometimes fans do get spoiled. You know what I mean? I think they do get spoiled with winning, and they're supposed to be spoiled with winning. You know what I mean? Like, who wants to lose? Nobody want to lose. But you also got to think, you know what I mean? Winning in the NFL is hard, bro. So sometimes you might have a down year. You know what I mean? And you have a down year. It's for you to come back, build up, and make that down year, make it just one of those bumps in the road, you know what I mean, where these guys have won what, I think, what, the Seahawks have won 10, went to the playoffs or, like, won 10 games or whatever, or whatever, or had a winning record for 10 straight years or something like that since Pete and Russ, yeah, you know what I mean? decade, bro. And Bobby, you know what I mean? So, for me, I think the fans can get spoiled in that aspect. Like, this is what I'm accustomed. I'm accustomed to this, you know what I mean? I'm not accustomed to losing. I don't deserve this. You know what I mean? But you think the player, the players don't deserve to lose. Like, we don't want to go out there and lose either. You know what I mean? So nah, not at all. So I think as players, sometimes we get frustrated and we like, relax. Like, you know, I started this winning culture here. And for you to feel like something I say is wrong, you know, when he has a point and they have a point, um, I just think it can get misconstrued sometimes. All right, well then, how about this, man? This ain't going to get misconstrued, dog. How about Ryan Clark, another DB, bro, right? But how about him saying that Russ ain't all-time greatest QB? Is he high as fuck? Or, like, what do you think about that? 
You know, I love RC. You know what I mean? I love RC. Um, as a person, I love him as a as an analyst. But I think that's just totally BS. <laughs> like, come on. totally BS. He like, come on, bro. Come on, bro. This dude is like the second most winningest quarterback in his first 10 years. All the stuff that he's in, all these records and stuff in the first 10 years, he's top three or top five in every single one, bro. Like, Bro, over Peyton Manning. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. Right. It's the all-time greats. And you trying to tell me that this guy's not an all-time great quarterback? Like, come on, bro. Right. Why he say that shit, man? I, I, I I don't understand it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand it because of the fact that, like, three doesn't, he don't bother nobody. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, that's for sure, yeah. He stays himself. He works his ass off. He leads his team. You know what I mean? He's a great family man. All he does is go out there and win football games. This is the first year in his career where they haven't had a winning record. Right. The first year, bro. And you you mean to tell me that he's not all-time great when his numbers stack up? You know what I mean? Like, with the numbers thing, that's what pissed me off sometimes is like, people be like, numbers aren't everything. But like, what are you grading then if numbers ain't everything? Like, because my coaches grade me after the game. And if I get a 50, I didn't fail. Yeah. But that's a number. You know what I mean? Like, that's a number, bro. If I got 50%, I probably ain't going to be playing as this for whatever team next year. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if I go out there, bro, and I get zero tackles, zero TFLs, zero interceptions, zero sacks, or, you know what I mean, just put up some BS numbers, I ain't going to be playing. You made your point, bro. You ain't got to say I just think, RC, I, I, I fuck with him too. I fuck with it. You know, he's funny here and there. It goes back and forth with Stephen A, but that was just not even a hot take. That shit was terrible. Yeah. Um, continuing on QBs, man, who was the toughest quarterback to read so far in your career? Like, who's the one to be like, God damn, this motherfucker be giving me trouble? Well, easily Aaron Rodgers. Easily. <laughs> like, easily, bro. A-Rod, like the different arm angles, the way he can look off of safety, just go back, backside, and know what the coverage is. You know what I mean? The way he can get up, control the offense, just move guys around. And, you know, the thing is, like, he's been running a similar offense his whole career. So he's mastered that offense. And now you bring in LaFleur and they running some bootlegs and, yeah. you know, they doing a little bit of misconception here. It just makes it that much tougher for, for you to play against him. And, you know, in the middle of the field, it's almost like you have no chance of picking off one of his deep balls if he's on target because he can lock, he can put it with some air. He can put it on a rope. He can back shoulder it. Bro, he's so good the way he throws the ball that it's like effortless out there. Nah, man, he's definitely one of the greatest. I don't, you know, agree with his personal shit that he says, but yeah, don't he's QB wise, dude is a goat for sure. Um, no question. Something I've been wanting to ask you for a minute, man. It's just because it's a random ass question, right? But who is the hardest hitting receiver in the league? You know, like when blocks come, you know, your way, like you never think about a receiver hitting people, right? But like, who's the hardest hitting wide receiver in the league? Man, that's a good question, bro. Like <laughs> something I wanted to the, ask you. The hardest hitting wide receiver. I mean, it's hard for guys to come and hit me because I'm so far back. Yeah, yeah, I thought about that too. So, I thought about that too. But so, then I see like Kittle, you know what I mean? Kittle be like, God damn, Kittle be blocking. And even Travis Kelsey and that one just wanted like, has has there been a receiver that ever pull up on you when you playing cover up, you know, and um hit you be like, what the fuck? You wanna know what's crazy? Early in my career, and people I know this is not a, a current player right now, active player, but like early in my career, Anquan Bolden used to block so tough 
at receiver, like block you. He'd try to block you out the play, bro, and like hold you. <laughs> and I'm like, dang, bro, like the play ain't even coming this way. You know what I mean? And then I got Q as a teammate, like my second year in the league in Detroit. And he would do that same stuff at practice and like, and then he would go do it in the game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's just who he is. So like for me, I would probably have to say Anquan because back in my nickel days. But like, I mean, I do. I see DK a lot out there. You know oh what I mean? man, bro, shit, right. dog. He'd be really trying to kill motherfuckers. You know, and that DK is my dude. I just say like there was an era in football where a wide receiver wasn't trying to touch nobody. You know, they just want to be on some pretty shit. And I was like, damn, yeah. I'm seeing now. I'm like, even Stephon Diggs is like a small dude. You know, he's like trying to do his blocks here and there. He may not be, he, he's successful in everything else. But I'm just saying, I've seen some dudes lay the hat, pause on the offensive level, uh, on the offensive side. So, bro, is the NFC West the hardest division in the NFL? No question. Yeah. I mean, no, no question about it. I mean, did you, I mean, we just had two teams from the NFC West we had two teams in the NFC West and the NFC Championship, right? We had three teams in the playoffs. You know what I mean? And we got to play them twice a year. Like, yeah, it's, uh, no doubt it's the easy, it's the hardest division in football. You know what I mean? Like, nobody else can claim what we can claim. And, I mean, at one point, it could have we could have had four teams in the playoffs, bro. Like, if yeah. you think about it, it we just would have it yeah, got real close. we could have did what we did. What we did, we might have had four teams in there. Like, um, I could easily say we probably, if we won games and not trick it off, it could have been all four of us in there over some of those other teams that made it. Yeah. All right, man. Now to pivot in something a little more serious, right? So, how do you feel about the lack of diversity um, with black coaches in the NFL? I think it's complete BS. Honestly, like, I think. It's not going to change, bro, until we can have black ownership. And for 31 billionaire white owners to be okay letting their teams go to black ownership, mm, I mean, that's unlikely, too. So for me, I don't think you can make all the rules you want. You know, I mean, the Rooney rules and yeah. all that. You can make all those rules, but. If the owners don't abide by that and they don't care, like, there's no need of making those rules. You know what I mean? Like, look at the situation I had in Detroit, bro. Jim Caldwell won the most games. He has the best, like, winning percentage in Lions history since 1950 or something like that, bro. And took Detroit to the playoffs two out of four years. And they haven't had been in the playoffs in a while. And you mean to tell me that? You fire this guy after he go either eleven and five or twelve and four his first year. Then we went seven and nine. We went nine and seven. Went to the playoffs. Then backdoored and went nine and seven again. Realistically, we should have went to the playoffs that year. The NFL cheated us against the Falcons and didn't count Golden Tate's touchdown and end up running the clock off, bro. And we didn't get a chance to go. Oh forward. yeah, I remember that game? <laughs> yeah. So like, <laughs> it's. You can't tell me this man didn't deserve another year after you just gave him a little fluky extension. You know what I mean? They gave him, like, an extension during the year to kind of take the pressure off of him, but it wasn't really a real extension. You know what I mean? So yeah. these teams are always a find a way to get away or get rid of a black coach or, you know, don't give him as long as the lease as you give a white coach. Nah, it's no cap. You know, I was listening to um, Swagoo 
And he's a friend of mine, right? Mark Spears. He said some real shit. He was like, look, these white coaches out here, they're allowed to fuck up and they get that second chance. But a black coach fuck up and they just don't get the second chance. And it's, it's true as hell. It's fucked up. It's, it's crazy as hell. I know that they said the Denver Broncos, right, are, are possibly going up for sale. I mean, I would love for Jay-Z and Oprah and whoever the fuck it is to try to buy that team. Goddamn. Right. I mean, that would be a great opportunity. But will owners pass that or will the trust pick the blacks? You know what I mean? Oh, the yeah. trust who's over the team, will they pick the black ownership or will they pick somebody that they're comfortable with? That's all a good question that you got to ask yourself. Yeah, well, I had to ask what you felt like, man, because Brian Flores, bro, he was like, fuck this. First day of Black History Month, he's going in. I was like, God damn. Yeah. You know what I mean? Flo risked his career for the future coaches in the league. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I mean, I hope he gets another job, but you know how it is when you go against the NFL, bro. Like, you go against the NFL, I mean, they're going to have a problem with that. And, um, you know, they'll try to make you pay for it. I think he's going to win some money, but I honestly, dog, I don't think they're going to let him coach again, bro. Like, they on some, you know, some fuck shit. And, I, dog, I have an NFL endorsement, so it's like, I mean, I'm going to say what I got to say, though, dog. This is what it is, man. What has been your best moment so far as a Seahawk? Like, is there is there something that stands out? Like, just that, damn, I love being, this is just amazing. I mean, I think I have, you know, two moments. I mean, my first moment definitely would be getting traded to Seattle. You know what I mean? Just the culture and, you know, what you know you got to live up to, what you got to uphold, a standard that you got to uphold. You know what I mean? Like, I come and I wore the same uniform. I sit in the same meeting rooms as Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman. You know what I mean? Those guys, like, when I got traded, it was like, damn, I got to step my game up a level. Like, bro, them boys going to be watching. Because you always watch your former team and who For plays sure. what you play. You always do that. You know, I catch myself watching Lions game. It's like, who they got back? Who they got at nickel? Who they got at safety? Like, they better than me. They lock, They nice like me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because that's just what it is. You know what I mean? So, you know, I would always know Sherman, Earl, and, you know, Cam was watching those games and... I think that was one of the best moments for me was just getting traded and walking to the building. It was like a breath of fresh air um, coming over there. And then I think my second moment would probably be my first playoff win, bro, against Philly. Uh, that was my first time playing in the playoffs um, because my second year in Detroit, I was hurt. So I didn't get to play. I had tore my pec. And then um, that Philly game. And Pete gave me a shout-out after the game. It was like... You know what I mean? Like, how about Q Diggs? First playoff game, and get a win in his first playoff game. And, like, that's some stuff, like, you never forget. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's stuff you never forget. And, you know, for Pete to even acknowledge that after the game, you know what I mean? I think that was dope because he was one of the ones that brought me to Seattle. And that's what I always tell him, like, how appreciative I am of him doing that, him and John. Let me tell you something. You just mentioned that game, right? I don't know if you know, but... uh I didn't really post that much that game, dog. Look, I was at the game in Philly. That was my first time at an Eagles game. And I heard the fans are crazy here and there. Hey, bro, I, look, I'm no cap. Anywhere in California, we just going to have to catch the fade. Bro, I contemplated putting my jersey away. That's how bad it was getting, dog. It was getting, you know, because, you know, you see my mouth, bro. You know what I mean? And I'm an old man now, bro. So it's like, I'm like, damn, I'm about to fight all these Italians. Like, God damn, this shit is crazy. Like, what the fuck? Like there was there was talks to, oh yeah, we ready for you. And they're screaming from like 17 rows back, other shit here and there. And I was like, oh shit. I told my cousin, I was like, hey bro, we might not get out this motherfucker. Like this is <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was crazy, man. 
Yeah, you got to... Hey, them Philly fans, bro. Oh, man. Come on. They, One they, thing they... I say about them, they passionate. And I think for sure, like, they have one of the, like, fan bases that, like, they either love you or they hate you. Bro, they threw and, shit at Santa Claus. Come on, man. Like, you crazy. Yeah, like, bro. I could only imagine how those guys would have been throwing drinks at me after I did the fly equals fly deal when I yeah. got that pick against Carson Wentz. Bro, do you understand? I was in the stands going absolutely crazy, bro. I was trying to chill because I was like, yo. Anyways, man. So all things well. Everything's going the way that we wanted to, the way you wanted to, most importantly, right? What's the first thing that you're going to do with that check when the Hawks pay you what you deserve? Honestly, bro, I don't even know. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know because honestly, like, I've already made a good amount of money in the league. You know what I mean? I made all of my money from my second contract. So, you know what I mean? Like, everything that I want, I can buy that shit now. You know what I mean? So, like, it ain't like I'm going to be like, man, I'm fiending for this money. Like, I, I need this shit. To, no, I'm to just saying, is life. it something that you want? Is it something that's been on your radar? Is it a boat? You know what I'm saying? Is it maybe a culinary? I don't know. I'm just asking you, like. Well, I was thinking about getting a culinary. You know what I mean? I was thinking about getting a culinary. I'm still thinking about getting it right now. I might hold off. Who knows, bro? Yeah. But, I mean, I'm finna start building my crib out in Texas, my crib in the next year or so. Probably meet with some architects this off season and start breaking ground on my crib. So, I mean, hell, mo a lot of that money gonna go to that crib because I want a compound. Oh, okay. That's what's up. I'm gonna go visit you. Yeah, come through. Come through. Shit, shit, shit. So, who is your partner in crime on the field? Obviously, you got to be on the defense, but I'm saying, who's your partner in crime on the field when you on the field? I mean, honestly, if we're talking about this past year, it definitely was was Bobby and, and Jamal. I mean, definitely, like, those are my guys. Like, once we if we playing well, the defense is playing well. You know what I mean? Yeah. So those are definitely, but, like, me and Bobby and Jamal, we hella close. We got a great relationship, and, you know, we know what it takes to get each other going. But you know what I mean? Like, that sixth sense... Like when you on the field, you kind of looking around, you looking and right before that moment start, you look over, you be like, okay, you locked in with Bobby. Is that how you feel? You know what I mean? Be like, okay, I know what we got to do. All right. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, you yeah. guys give those eye winks, you know, and all that. Oh, no question. No question about it. You can look over, but you know how good it feels to look over and you got another pro bowl, all pro safety next to you. And then you look in front of you and you got arguably the best linebacker, one of the best linebackers to ever play the game in front of you. So it's just like, shit, I'm straight out here. You yeah, know what no I mean? Cap. I'm straight. You know what I mean? So for me, I think that's something that I always admire, being here, playing with great players. And not saying I didn't in Detroit, but like when you look over and you got a Hall of Famer in front of you, then you look to your right and you got another guy that plays the game just the way you play it, fast and physical and you know what I mean? Just want to knock people out. Like, you enjoy that. You know what I mean? So I think that's kind of what it's been. Right. So this is the most important question of the interview, dog. So I want you to be prepared for this, okay? This is very important, bro. Who is funnier, Nick Ballore or Ben Baller? <laughs> <laughs> bro, what's up with you, bro? <laughs> Yo, What's man, up with you, I just, look, I didn't even know Nick Ballore like that. You know, I'm normal as a player, you know what I'm saying? But then I started watching them. I'm like, yo, this dude is funny as fuck. He's like, and he's also a watch collector. I didn't know, like, you know, Dixon had to put me up on dude. So yeah. I said, yo, this dude is funny as fuck. I'm going to follow him, right? Follow him. 
He reaches out to me. We're talking about watches and this and that. He's actually a really nice guy, super cool. I just didn't expect him to be like, I've seen this motherfucker try to kill somebody on special. I was like, God damn, Nick. Like there was one, I think one game, you know, on four different special teams plays, he had all four tackles like smashing people. I was like, God damn, this dude is like all purpose. So I seen the, you know, the little YouTube thing he did when y'all was on there. And I was like, bro, this dude is funny as fuck, man. Bro. And when I tell you he's like that, He's been like that. So Nick was my teammate in Detroit for two years. So I've been teammates with this dude for four years now, four and a half years. And it's just like, buddy, don't change, bro. Like he, <laughs> It's like he's never serious. He always got some funny shit to say. Bro, Pete can call on him in team meeting and be like, Nick, what do you got to say? And he going to say some funny shit. Right before the game, bro. Like, oh, fuck. that's just how he is. You know what I mean? That's who he is as a person. But, like, that's exactly who he is, bro. And, I mean, I think y'all's sense of humor is different in a way because you were shit-talking funny. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. you, talk, you talk your shit and it's funny. You know what I mean? But Laura, on the other hand, where, like, he just say, like, smart-ass comments or, like, he always got a... He always got a comeback for something you say, or he always like, it's just like a intentionally funny, but he's been unintentional about it. It's just him. You know what I mean? And he keeps me dying laughing, bro. And we always going back and forth. That's why the two Balours thing that we did was so funny because we've been going back and forth with each other, bro, since I met him, like on the team playing in Detroit. We so let me put this in the air anyways because maybe this will give Pete and Pete some ideas. With Coach Caldwell, my first three years in the league, the veterans, and if you were a good player that was young, you sat in first class on the way there and the way back. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I hope Pete listened to that and you know, hopefully we can get the vets in the first class. On the on the way there and on the way back. Let me get that out the way first. I, I put that out there. And secondly, I think me and him sat by each other. So I used to sit right in front of him on in first class um, in Detroit. So, like, I would just turn around and we would just make jokes on each other all the whole trip. Wherever we were going, the whole trip, we would just be talking trash to each other, bro. Like, that's just kind of how we always been, and that's how we is in, in Seattle. Because when I got traded there, he was one of the first people to hit me up. And he said some slick shit. He said some <laughs> slick shit or something, and I can't even remember what he said. But even this year, bro, when he re-signed with Seattle, I didn't hit him up, right? I didn't hit him up and tell him congrats. And he was like, at the end of the year, he's like, damn. Because he always says some crazy. He's like, damn, bitch. You ain't even tell me congrats when I resign here this offseason. You fake. Like, just some crazy <laughs> shit out of nowhere, bro. And I'm like, bro, how you even remember that I didn't tell you that? But I remember that I didn't tell him because I had texted him. <laughs> I think I texted him like a week later and was like, I'm glad you back or some shit. But there wasn't no congrats on Twitter or nothing. Nobody going to tell no uh, special teams guy congrats on Twitter. You know what, though? He seems really smart. Like, no cap. He seems like a smart dude. Like, he's... Look at his big-ass head. Come on, bro. Come <laughs> I'm on, bro. I'm going to send this to Nick, man. But you know what's <laughs> funny? We were talking about first class. Remember when you came to my hotel? Yeah. And I had a penthouse president suite, right? I thought yeah. that's how y'all stay on every hotel. I didn't know. Like, I didn't know, bro. Jamal was like, are you kidding me right now? And I was like, what? 
He's like, man, what's up? This room. I was like, bro, this is how I, this is just how I stay. And Jamal was like, bro, come on, man. I thought you guys had those kind of, especially the starters. I thought you guys all had rooms like that. Man, how we all gonna have penthouse today? <laughs> it's called a penthouse for a reason. Bro. I'm just saying. <laughs> but but the crazy thing is, is hell no, we get in the regular rooms with the king bed, bro. So funny this year. One day, one week, I had got a room with two beds in there. <laughs> And I'm like, bro, damn, just because I'm short, I can't get a king bed? Like, like, damn. But the, I will say this now. Shout out to my guy, Jeremy. Jeremy did take care of me the last game of the season in, in, in Arizona. I had a nice little room, little suite. You know what I mean? So I felt good about myself. You know what I mean? So shout out to Jeremy on that. But, uh, no, nah, we don't live like that, bro. We don't normally live like that. A couple guys might get them rooms, but yeah, you know, <laughs> they ain't giving them to me. I got I got to talk to management about that, man. Um, <laughs> so uh, totally off football, bro. Me and you kind of met like for the love of sneakers, right? Like we both love sneakers, you know. I'm I'm kind of off it, but like you know, I mean, I was deep in it, as deep as anyone could be in it, you know, worldwide. And uh, I know you fuck with it, and then um, you always fly when you when I see you in street clothes. What are your top three sneakers right now? Not of all time, just like what's your top three go-tos right now? Um, I mean, right now, any pair of dunks. You know what I mean? Any pair of dunks. You can wear that with anything. You know what I mean? I wore dunks. I wore dunks to the club the other night, bro. Right. Like, low top or high top? Low top. Yes, sir. I can't wear high tops, bro. I'm 5'9", bro. <laughs> Those high tops look like, look like boots. You know what I mean? So I can't wear those. Um, it's not a pair of dunks. Like, what pair of dunks is your favorite right now? Um, well, if you want to classify them, because I was gonna give you my second pair, but definitely the the and I might get bashed for this, but I mean he's a Houston guy, so I mean I gotta, you know, I mean that's my guy. But the the Travis Scott dunks, one of my favorite. Those are one of my favorite ones. No nah, uh, man, I mean, bro, Travis has always been, you know, he's, he's been at the forefront of sneaker game. No cap, like. I know I influenced him a lot when I was in the in the sneaker game, like when he was just in high school and I was on the forums and stuff and pushing, you know, the culture when it came to the SB dunks and everything. He he's always had some good shoes, bro. I'm not not tripping at all, man. Right. So definitely his uh his SBs, them 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 definitely one of my favorite pairs. I was gonna say the low one Travis Scott. Oh yeah, Jordan One lows? Yeah, I rocked them. I rocked them a lot. I got the highs and the lows. Um that's probably my second pair. And I mean, with my third pair, my third pair of kicks, I feel like you could never, you know what I mean? You could never go wrong with the Air Force Ones, bro. Like, you can wear those joints with whatever. But what I have learned is I might get it. I might be giving this tip to people. People might not, though. What I have learned, I usually wear a size 11, right? Yeah. But in my forces, I got to wear a 10 and a half because the shoe runs bigger. So... I had to wear a ten and a half just so it fits more comfortable instead of the eleven with my forces. You know, it's funny is most people if you if you have a lot of shoes, dog, you know the Air Force ways run at least a half to a full size big. Right. So yeah, me and you use the same size number, so I'm a ten and a half and force two as well. It yep. depends if it's yep. like there's some special like padded forces I could wear an eleven, but for the most part, yeah, ten five. Um, right. Gotta be. Are you invested in the cryptocurrency at all? Bro, I'm not. I'm not. Well, a little bit. I wouldn't say I'm invested like a lot, but I invested a few hundred bucks in some stuff. <laughs> but like, I ain't out there just 
throwing my money into crypto. No, like I that. get it. It's it's not. It's, it ain't for. It ain't no joke. You know, it's a serious shit. I'm in it. You know, um, your teammate Jamal. You know, Prez has hit me up like, bro, you got to get me in this, and I feel bad because it's a couple times I could have had him in, but I want people to understand like this is a long term thing. This is a different type of. It's dangerous too. You know, like it's it's the future. If you know what you're doing, you good. But if you go look at it all day and be like, you know, like, oh shit, it went down. It's like, you know, some people have to be. I'd rather fucking, you know, give y'all some advice when you guys decide to be done with the game, with the NFL. Yeah, bro, because, like, even the little hundreds of dollars I put in there, see, I don't even look at it because I'm like, bro, I was looking at it every day, and I'm like, bro, my little 800 bucks down to 500 bucks, and then it'll get up to 830 bucks, and I'm just like, ah, nah, this shit ain't hit like how that Bitcoin hit in 2014. <laughs> Come on, dog. Like, bro, I was down two mil a few weeks ago. I was like, fuck, man. And I just, yeah. you know, I just didn't think about it, man. I was like, man, bro, it is what it is. Um, I mean, that's that's the same thing with the stock market, bro. It's the same no, it thing. Is. Go up and down. You know I mean? We had the days where the stock market, you know, you lose a couple hundred thousand dollars here and you're like, ah, I'll look at it next week and it'll be right back up. So, I mean, I feel you with that. Yeah. So, bro, the last question, I need your Super Bowl prediction. Who going to win, dog? Oh, man. I mean, I got friends on both teams, bro. Got friends on both teams. Bro. Can I just say I just want a great game? Come, man, stop the... Bro, if you don't stop it right now, dog. I know <laughs> nah, you don't bro, want our motherfucking if, NFC rival to fucking win this game. Come on, man. If I win, if they... No lie, bro. You got to understand. And you know, bro, because you got loyalties to people. You know what I mean? And, yeah. You know, those loyalties mean a lot to you. And, yeah, we got a rival and it's a rival, but, like, I will say this. I have real-life friends on both teams, but I think the two people that I'm closest to or three people I'm closest to, they all play for the Rams, bro. Like, it's just kind of what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, With Stafford no, and, and Jalen and then Sean Robinson, it's like, that's just kind of how I go. You know what I mean? I, I hate to pick the Rams sometimes, but, like, I want Stafford to win this thing, bro, because... I always hated the backlash that he took from being in Detroit. You know what I mean? Like, I hated that people try to put a mark on his name because he didn't win playoff games. Bruh. And, you know, he didn't take Detroit to the playoffs. I got picked the Rams. Real talk. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. My, my boy, Odea Bushi, right? Played for the Hawks. Yeah. Played for the, yeah, for the Lions. Odea is my dog, and he hit me. The moment the Stafford got traded, I went to go look at a, a new house, right? Yeah. Pull up in the house. Um, I'm not gonna say whose name it is because then because I, I don't want people to know where you know where I actually live live, but yeah. like one of his boys, you know, what I'm saying live right down the street. I didn't think whatever, and it was a private showing. But then he pulled up like maybe five minutes early, and it's a, obviously come on, bro. I don't know what his contract is, but it got to be like you know stupid money. So we both looking at a crib, and I'm like, oh hell no, bro. I'm not about to go bid against this motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> shit, he really coming here. So I hit Oday. I'm like, what's up with this dude? And O'Day was really classy. He's like, hey, bro, I've seen Russ. I played it. You know, I guarded him. And I played it. Listen, Stafford is not getting the, 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 he's getting a raw deal, bro. This dude is really one of the most incredible quarterbacks I've ever seen. Watch him turn up. And he did. He really did, you know. And that was cool, you know what I'm saying, to see it flourish. And obviously, I don't give a fuck if y'all was teammates or not. I love seeing you pick him off. That was the best. Right. But uh, I get it. I just, I feel like, um. I want the Bengals to win, bro. I like Joe Burrow. I just, you know, the underdog. I don't know, but at the same time, I just feel like it's too, you know, LA's playing in LA. It's kind of like, I don't know, man. 
Hey, bro, you can't take off your green green tinted glasses. That's just kind of what it is. <laughs> you can't take off your Seahawks green tinted glasses. And yeah. for me, I can separate rivalry versus friendship. That's just me. You know what I mean? Like, no, I, I know you do. I, I know it. you could do that in the business world. I know you do. You know I what do. I, mean? I do. But um, I mean, I just think for me, I think it'll be a dope story for for him, his wife, his kids. You know what I mean? Like all the struggles that they went through. With Kelly, you know, her situation that she had with her health problems and staff being there. Bro, it's crazy, bro. Quick story. Staff, when Kelly was sick and, you know, not doing well, staff would still come to OTAs, bro. He would be up helping Kelly, doing his deal with Kelly, helping her, doing as much as he can with the kids. And boom, be up at the building at at OTAs at like 9 a.m., stand after. You know what I mean? Like, the dude's just, that's, that's just who he is, you know what I mean? And... That's why I respect him so much because as much as he is a superstar quarterback, bro, he's a freaking superstar person too. So Okay, so he's uh, solid. He's solid. He's super solid, bro. And I told his story before, but like when he got traded, you guys seen the tweet. Like I tweeted, like yeah, I guess yeah, I got yeah. picked half off. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he FaceTimed me while I was at dinner. <laughs> you know what I mean? When he got traded, him and Sean McVay. And yeah. I'm just like, they talking trash, and I'm like, blah, blah. But it was just mutual respect because McVeigh's a great person too, and he has a lot of respect for me. And um, with staff, it's, it's the same thing, bro. I talked to him last night. Yesterday was his birthday, and I hit him. I'm just like, you know, forty you gonna be here tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's just the relationship we have, though, bro. Nah, but I like hearing good stories about QBs being good people. Like, cause dog, I remember back in the day, I met John Elway. He's a dick. Always been a fucking asshole. Fuck him. I don't give a fuck about what nobody say, and I don't give a fuck what that dude got. But I'm rich. Fuck you, white. Like, you know what I'm saying? You a punk ass white boy. I'm fucking with you. But like Baker Mayfield, he rubbed me the wrong way and just all the shit. I knew OBJ was like, I know OB. Like, we homies. And like you said, I got a lot of clients as NFL players. You think like, you know, dog, do you know how fucked up this is? 40% of my fan base are 49ers fans. And that's our biggest rival. Like, we have this crazy rivalry for the last nine years. I got to deal with that shit because it started from Richard Sherman and all that. So like, I got to get it cracking. I got a crib in San Francisco. You know what I mean? Like, I got to deal with these motherfuckers. I'm banned from Levi Stadium, fam. Like, come on. You know? Right. But actually, you know what? Now that we we talking about the Super Bowl, sorry, man. I had to extend this real quick. You got Sean McVay's 36, bro. Okay, this motherfucker, 13 years younger than me. And you got an old boy from uh, Cincy. He like 35, right? Or 30. Right. Bro, is Pete too old to be coaching right now, dog? Pete Carroll, like, or like, am I just tripping? You know what? I don't, I don't think so, bro. I think... Honestly, Pete is like, Pete, what, 70, 60-something? Oh, 70? 71 or something, bro. Bro, Pete's 70, bro. But, like, the energy that he brings and, like, the vibes that he brings, you would think he was, like, 40-something, bro. Like, real talk. Like, when I first got traded to Seattle, I didn't realize Pete was 69 or 68. You know what I mean? I thought he was younger, bro. He's running up and down the field, uh, doing cardio and stuff like that, and just the way he moves, you know what I mean? Like, you can't tell that he's 71. And, like, I think he's just as fresh as those other guys. And, you know what I mean? I think for sure, you know what I mean, he knows that at some point you got to change and you can't be with the old time. So I think he's coming along to that. So for him, I mean, he's smart enough to understand that, you know what I mean, you do got to change with the times. And I think he's done that. And I think he's a player's coach and – um I think he's changing with the times just like everybody else. You know, I think 
when we on defense this year, we ran a lot more cover six and cover four and cover two, just like the rest of the teams in the NFL. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's not like he's not cool with changing. He can change, bro. And I think nah. I'm, what I mean is like, does he have forgetful? Like, does he forget things? Like Joe Biden, you know, being old. Like, does he fall asleep in practice? Does does he seem like he's out of breath when he's running on the field, or does he seem sharp still? Bro, what's wrong with you, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Who says he falling asleep at practice, bro? I'm playing with you, bro. Come on, you see Joe bro. Biden be falling asleep, man. Punk-ass Joe Biden, man. God damn. Bro, Pete is like, I don't know how he has the energy he has every day, honestly, bro. Like, I go to work sometimes, and I'm like, bro, I'm tired of shit. And then you see Pete get up there, and he's just full of life, full of energy, the same guy every day. You know what I mean? Like, you looking like, bro, I got to pick my shit up, bro. This old man out here got more energy than me. Like... <laughs> When I don't practice, bro, when sometimes I don't practice and I see him running, I'm just like, hell no, nah, I can't let the old man not do me today. <laughs> well, shit, man, Nino, I really, really, really appreciate it, man. I feel like that was one of the most thorough athlete interviews I've ever had. Uh, obviously, I'm biased because, you know what I'm saying, how I feel about you as a friend, how I feel about you as, as a Seahawk, and, you know... I just want to say thank you so much again for giving all the insight and just coming on the pod again. And and you already know we're going to go crazy on this. Uh, and, uh, you know, shit dropped. This is Super Bowl week, bro. So I just want to say thank you again. I, I wish you a, a speedy recovery. And uh, let's go 12s, bro. Yes, sir. Appreciate you always, my dog. And appreciate you always supporting, you know what I mean, and, and being there from the jump when I got traded to Seattle. So for me, I mean, it's a blessing to be able to be on the podcast twice and you know, I mean, it's dope for me to be able to call you a friend and be able to just text you and have a normal conversations. So um, it's, I'm always appreciative. And, you know, to the 12s, I always love those people, man. I'm always appreciative for them supporting me. And, you know, heck, hopefully I'm back. We, we can put that six back on. And I go get six picks next year. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Yo, Miles, <laughs> man, throw on some music real quick and let's go to a commercial break. Let's talk about captain's picks because you're missing out on making some money. All right. It is such an exciting time of the year to bet and wager on sports right now. This is no cap. I'm being serious with you guys right now. NFL, NBA, NCAA basketball, NHL, soccer, live betting guys. Okay. All can be done at captainpicks.com. This company has myself as a partner and a captain along with the Dust Brothers and Michael Rappaport. So you know how we get down on the podcast every damn day in these streets. We've even brought in new captains to man new sports and live betting bonanzas. We view this as investing over gambling. Nobody has lower rates in the betting game. Nobody. We are about to revolutionize how betting picks are done, made, sold, everything across the board. Do yourself a favor. Go to CaptainPicks.com. Okay? That's CaptainPicks.com. Thank me later. Yo, yo, what up, y'all? I was going to throw some fly-ass vocabulary at you. Because I'm fucking with that vocabulary app And it hasn't helped yet Because I haven't used it on any way Right And when I heard that fucking Aquafina um, Diatribe That she put out there On Twitter About her quitting Twitter I was like Yo I need to step my shit up 
And this vocabulary app is amazing. I pay for it. It's fucking incredible. But by the way, LA is crazy right now. Okay, LA is crazy. The jackers are out. Motherfuckers are waiting for people to fucking rob, right? There's a Sports Illustrated party here. There's my fucking agency has a party tonight. I got the fucking NFL honors. There's going to be shit after that. I got another party tomorrow. Um, I was going to say where the fuck it is, and I shouldn't say where, where the fuck it is. But in my old hood, you know, there's a party. There's been fashion shows. I'm going to get in that in a second. It's been wild. By the way, guys, my final Project 70 card is out right now. Mike Trout. Their autos sold out in fucking seconds. Um, I literally was like, what the fuck? There was a one-on-one card for like a few thousand dollars, like thousands of dollars, and it was sold out. I just, I was like, what the fuck happened? It was crazy. But the the card is going crazy. I just want to say thank you guys for supporting Project 70, even though I didn't finish the project, right? So, you know, I did 11 cards. I didn't do 20. There was too many goddamn cards, too many goddamn artists. I don't think I'm participating in this year's, you know, artist series project. I do have my Topps Chrome 2022 drop and it's going to be a fucking different level. I want to step the quality up, step the product up. We got Juan DeFranco. This is a big, this is a whole different, we haven't had a rookie class like this that Juan DeFranco is going to hit different. But yeah, my Mike Trout card is out now. It is available for a, another day or so. I'm sorry, what today? Yeah, you got until tomorrow to get that motherfucker. And you get a chase card, and that's special. There's rainbow foils. It's a chance to get that one-on-one. Um, this motherfucker is definitely right. So don't forget, go to tops.com. Go to my link tree. You can go to Twitter. Twitter's like the only remaining fucking, it's my last remaining social media, which thank God I love Twitter. And um, click the link there, and you'll see uh, my card is up there. But um, London and Ryder are starting to really figure out, like, what the fuck they want to do. And London is 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 a natural swimmer. You know, he just loves the water, and, and he's a really, really good swimmer. He's surprisingly very good. And with some assistance from his swim coach and stuff, he's kind of doing really well. But he wanted to join baseball. And even with the coach, it just don't, I don't know. You know, I just, I, something's, and it, my wife thinks it's me. I'm like, no, nah, shit ain't got nothing to do with me. Either you got it, you don't got it. Right? And, you know, I don't think I became coordinated to start playing like sports until right around London's age. A little younger than London, right? And he's just, certain things are just like, I just feel like he's going to be, you know, he's into computers and games and stuff. But London likes golf. And what fucked me up is the entire philosophy of the game of golf fits right in with London's like entire steez. So I feel like this is might be something. And the crazy part is my cousin Steve has clubs for London. And you know, golf clubs ain't no fucking joke. Even though I got a tailor made sponsor, I'm not trying to hit them up for that. Like, but you know, I'm gonna start getting them lessons. I think London's gonna fuck around and really like golf. It's I think it's gonna and this could really be his shit. Now, on the other end, um, Kaya's taking ballet, and uh, she loves it. She's obsessed. But I knew that already. But Ryder is now on his fifth jujitsu lesson. Ryder is fighting dudes bigger than him. Ryder is fighting guys older than him. And Ryder is kicking ass. So I'm like, I don't even know what to say. It is fucking wild. 
that Ryder picked up jujitsu. He likes it. By the way, Ryder is fucking obsessed with Harambe still. He drew a picture. I can't even believe how well he drew the picture. He drew better than I could. You know, I could do great shit on, you know, on Photoshop and Illustrator and stuff, you know, using images here and there, like when I designed a card or something. But Ryder drew Harambe and he put rest in peace and he put him on a crucifix. And I was like, what the fuck? Then I went to his phone and found out he Googled R.I.P. Harambe and he saw a picture, so he drew it. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, that's just weird, right? It's just crazy. So anyways, this week has been kind of, you know, a weird week. I've been having really bad anxiety attacks. And I think it's because I have a lot going on. Like today, two nights ago, I went to the um, Amiri fashion show. Congratulations to my boy, Mike Amiri. He's like honorary Korean, Korean Persian. And, um, you know, the show was fabulous. And um, forgot what dude's name is from Breaking Bad. I forgot what the fuck. Not not the older dude, but the younger guy. I never really watched the show. I did. I didn't really like the show that much. I know people love that show. But I know, dude, like we're we're homies. And he's like the first guy I walked the show with. He's like, yo, bro, I ain't seen you in a long time. And he's like, yo, last time I seen you was probably at Cuddy's house. And I was like, yo, it was crazy because I was just at Cuddy's house for his birthday party. He's like, oh man, I missed it. And it was a real small little event. And, you know, um, dude was on one of the biggest shows on TV. And uh, you know, we chopped it up here and there. And uh it's funny because <laughs> I think Mike Amiri thought about it. And this ain't about a contest or nothing. It's not even close. So I'm gonna be real with you. I love Rude. You know, it was there was a movement. It could have been something bigger than it is. And I just feel like, you know, a lot of people jump ship. But you can't compare Rude to Amiri. It's it's a whole di- like Amiri is huge. Like he's Mike has, you know, got boutiques in Dubai, Rodeo Drive, New York, Miami, and he's opening, you know, China and like all over the place. He's crushing it beyond belief, you know, is, is he's really got the whole business uh, model down and everything. And, um, you know, this was filmed, this was on live stream, the whole nine, all the fashion people were there, a lot of celebrities again too. And Mike sat me front row. And what's funny is I didn't expect it. I know Mike got a lot of shit on his mind. I had missed maybe three or four shows. I feel bad. I pulled up, felt good to be outside. It felt good to be outside. It felt good to like, you know, I didn't wear a mask. I was like, yeah, I got the fucking antibodies. I, mean, I could have got sick from some other shit. You know, fuck all that. You know, it's been warm outside. It's, it's like, it was dope. I got to hang out with a bunch of my homies, people I haven't seen in a while. People I felt like I was friends with. Um, one of the artists from Project 70 and Project 2020, Joshua Veeds. I thought me and him been friends forever. I thought we'd been known each other forever because he worked for my boy Aaron Levant who is, you know, the president CEO of Network. But come to find out, I never, actually never met dude before until last night. Um, Salehi, Benberry, you know, he's a, the hottest designer right now. He's got the sickest Crocs in the world. Dude said he met me a few times. I didn't know that, you know. Saw my man Pete Wentz last night from Fallout Boy. We sat and chopped it up and he was cracking me up. He's like being so humble. It just kind of fucks me up because he's, this guy's a fucking huge rock star, right? Um, was a... Uh, Sway Lee was up in there, you know, at, look, I fuck with Ray Shremmer. I don't, I don't know about y'all, but that was like, I really do fuck with them dudes. Who else, man? Uh, I seen Lil Meech from BMF and uh, he acted the way I expected it. You know, he's, it's, man, it's not even worth talking about. Uh, my man Lethal Shooter was in the house last night. My boy Evan Ross was in the house. So weird that Evan Ross and Pete were right across from each other, um, Evan Ross is Diana Ross's son. He is married now to uh, Ashley Simpson, and Ashley Simpson is P. 
Pete Wentz's ex-wife. So it's just kind of great. But they're both in great places. So it's, it's awesome. There's a bunch of people I'm sure I'm forgetting. But the show was great. Phenomenal. By the way, sorry. Sitting next to Bobby Hundreds and Ben Hundreds. That was cool. There, there was a bunch of people that I'm sure I'm forgetting to talk about. Uh, my boy George, who is a super smart dude. And I just underestimated how fucking amazing a person this guy George is. He's, you know, part owner in Fear of God, part owner in Rude. He's just a good dude. Oh, I met Gunna at the end of the Amiri show. And I'm there talking to the owner of Upscale Hype. Dude, I didn't know the dude, the owner of Upscale Hype, was who he was. Black dude, always dressed to the fucking T, fly as fuck. Fat, like for real fashion And then you got the dudes That like I'm like bro This is why I hate LA Like I see a dude With like ultra skinny jeans The Chelsea boots And just Like the one tattoo That's just like Yo bro come on dog Like really man Like just The whole swag is just Left Um, Get the gun in a second It's funny I saw Alexis Pfeiffer last night Alexis is Kanye's ex uh, Fiance that was his first like major girl there together for fucking seven years at least, maybe even eight. He wrote 808 and Heartbreaks about her. Um, we chopped it up. Me and Alexis go back 30 fucking years and I cannot believe it. Like, I'm sorry. Hold on. Wait a second. Is Alexis that fucking old? Hold on. 18 plus. Holy shit. Oh, man, am I, am I? Hold on. I must be fucked up. Hold on. Hold the fuck up. 2022 what there's no way there's no fucking way alexis pfeiffer is at least 45 or 46 she is dropped there gorgeous looks like she's fucking 30 years old anyways caught up with her shout out to christopher kites up and coming jeweler straight out of south side chicago who am i forgetting anyways going back to gunna i chopped it up with gunna and we cracked up like you know like i know freddie gibbs probably like fuck you ben and i don't think freddie mad but i expected gunner to be a different type dude he had no entourage there was a security guard somewhere 100 percent. but he had his homie with him and we was just chopping it up talking about daniel arsham how my boy daniel arsham did a cover to his album i was talking about how i fuck with the album he was talking about the jewelry he was like yo your jewelry is, is definitely fired the cause joint was crazy and it was just, uh, we were chopping about a bunch of things and uh, he invited me over to, uh, he's got this, uh, in fact, you know what, thank fucking God, I just caught myself. But he's got a photo shoot tomorrow that he wants me to pull up at and uh, <laughs> shit, I don't know. I end up having a really bad anxiety attack before the Amiri show and I was like, man, I don't really know. I don't know why. Didn't feel like being out, whatever, boom. I'm so fucking glad I ended up fucking going out. But uh yeah, it was weird. I just um I don't I don't know. But yeah, I'm glad I did. And uh, you know, today I have a big event. I got the NFL honors. I made the fan of the year chain for the NFL, which is sponsored by Captain Morgan, of course. And me and Victor Cruz are gonna be hosting the I don't know, it's the fake over. So it's like I think we're taking over either the NFL and, and the Captain Morgan page or just Captain Morgan page on Instagram and uh, you know, we're gonna be going through whatever, but I'm not just going to the NFL honors just to go and see like a bunch of NFL players. I'm going there for a reason. You know, it's dope that I made this chain. I don't actually don't know who won fan of the year. I don't know what team it was, 
But um, Issa Rae, who I respect, she's a great fucking actress, and uh, you know, um, she's been killing it with the show. She's going to be presenting the NFL Fan of the Year Award. And I don't know if she's mentioning my name. And I pray she, the guy she is, I think, you know, I mean, it brings more value to the chain, right? To be like, yo, Ben Ball did the chain and this is what it is. But when you see this chain, you guys, and the budget that I had wasn't anything crazy. When I say anything crazy, it wasn't in the six-figure range. You know, it is a chunky-ass fucking chain. It's a big chain. And I'm proud of it, especially with the budget I have. I, I went out there and said, fuck this. I showed out, you know, and I'm real hyped. I'm excited to do the NFL honors I'm excited to do the red carpet, be there for a reason. And by the way, I had lunch yesterday with a new employee at Excel Sports Management, my agency, and she's Korean and was born and raised in Korea. She is my new handler. She's my liaison. She's fucking amazing. So, you know, I got to give a big shout out to Alina at Excel Sports Management. She's like really insanely like helpful. Like beyond a crutch, she really is incredible. And it's crazy. I don't pay her. You know, it's like nuts that my agency has that. But I'm really excited about the NFL honors today. And then I have the NFL brunch tomorrow. And then I have an NFL drive on Saturday. And I'm not going to the Super Bowl. I refuse to. The news has just said with the vaccination shit, all this other stuff, once you actually get into that Inglewood area right by SoFi, the average time it's going to take you to get into the stadium is going to be two hours. Okay, and it's going to be over three hours to get out of the stadium and out of the Inglewood area if you stay to the fourth quarter. So no thanks, I'm good. We watched that shit at the crib with the Dust Brothers with some fam. Uh, thanks to Postmates, you know what I'm saying? Sponsoring the food, I'm gonna have some catering. We're gonna have some barbecue. We have a bunch of shit. It's gonna be fun. I'm gonna watch that bitch on the 90 inch, and I'm gonna be chilling. And I got my Captain Morgan, and I got my motherfucking you know old school. Uh, potion that I won't mention on here because I don't want to disrespect Captain Morgan. But yeah, we're going to watch the game here. And uh, next year, it's too soon now. I'm going to think of something to where one of the Ben Baller did the blockchain holders could come through and pull up and kick it, like on a real way. You know what I'm saying? And when I go to New York, I'm definitely going to connect with uh, this one cat, Timmy Tokens. Uh, so shout out to him. And um, I should be out there next month. But uh, speaking of next month, guys, when again some drops. My BAPE collaboration is March 6th. Don't know why it's a Sunday. Hope they change it to whatever, but that should be fucking fire. There are going to be 10 micro BAPE chains made by me. There is a very limited edition t-shirt for the LA drop. There is four medium size, like Jesus size pieces that are fucking beautiful BAPE pieces. Official collaboration, Bathing Ape, Men Bar to the Chain, IF and Co., and uh, that's March 6th. I can't wait to, this is like a dream come true. And, you know, over 10 years in the making. This is crazy. Um, yesterday morning, I had a board meeting at Network and I went over all my drops and I am so hyped over these drops, right? Like I got the gold surfboard, super fucking limited to fucking 10 or 15 pieces. It's big ass gold surfboard. I'm looking at it right now in my studio. Shit is beautiful, like super limited, gorgeous. I got my tailor-made clubs, at least one club. I got fucking the kit for that. I got my gold hair clippers. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like for real, like, you know, to get a fade barbershop clippers, it's going to be crazy. I got my fucking gaming headphones with Master Dynamic. This is a company that makes all Louis Vuitton's 
headphones. This is like the highest of high-end headphones there are. And they made special gaming headphones. This is a company that Kevin Durant owns. This company is like premier elite headphone company. I got gaming headset coming out. Um, What the fuck else do I got? Oh, we're going to drop the gold money counter again for summer. I got some other shit. I don't know why I'm forgetting, but I'm fucking hyped. It's going to be a great year, you know? And with Instagram or not, I'm going to make it a fucking great year. And shout out to my guy, Dan Fleischman at Coffee Breakers. He has a card shop on Hollywood Boulevard just east of Coenga, and his shop is fucking amazing. He does amazing breaks. This guy's fucking awesome. I want a break. I want a fucking $3,000 DK Metcalf flawless booklet rookie card from a break. And he, um, we did some trades. I brought some BBDTC uh, 2021 Chrome. He gifted me a Tiger Woods rookie card, PSA 9. He gave me a Serena Williams rookie card, PSA 9. Like, he blessed me. Barry Sanders, my favorite football player ever. And it was just fucking crazy. So, Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, you know, especially for the Seattle guys. Um, I do have more interviews coming up. My man, Billy Marcus, is coming on the show. I am going to get Ruby Rose on the show, and we are going to talk. I got Kendra Lust is going to be coming on the show. Got some other entrepreneurs coming on the show. I got cannabis entrepreneurs, regular entrepreneurs, all kinds of shit. But before we go, guys, I want to give you my Super Bowl prediction. Okay? Now, Everything is pointing towards the Rams, right? And what's crazy is not the Rams, but Eli Apple had reached out to me and he wants to get on the podcast. I'm like, don't talk. Shouldn't you be worried about the motherfucking game and, and practice and the Super Bowl you're playing this weekend? Like, can't believe you know, you're talking about a podcast. It's crazy. Um, but I think that the Rams are probably going to win this game. I think this game is going to, one of these teams is going to score 30 points, right? At least. But as silly as this sounds, I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet random prop bets here and there. I'm going to check them out. You know, make sure you go to uh, mybookie.ag and check out the prop bets on there. I'm definitely going to put some prop bets up. And I got a lot of money to play with, uh, you know, with my bookie. And uh, I am going to put money, not just on the money line and not just on the spread. I'm going to like, I'm going to parlay shit, but I'm putting my money on the Bengals. And not just because of Harambe, but that solidified it, you know. And it's crazy because I fuck with Joe Burrow. He fucks with my little bro, Kid Cudi. He calls Kid Cudi like one of his fucking idols. And Cudi is now into football. And Cudi ain't fuck with football really at all. So this is kind of a crazy thing. I was supposed to be going to Cleveland with Cudi next week for the All-Star game. Not going to make it. I got too much shit going on. Who knows, though, I might jump in last minute because he's like kind of hosting it. You know, it is in Cleveland as his hometown. But anyways, Super Bowl prediction. I think the Bengals are going to do it. But, you know, I mean, everyone thinks the Rams are going to win. I feel like that's, you know, if you want to be a safe bet, you know, then the cool. But what's, you know, there's no fun in being safe, right? So I want the Bengals to win. I'm going to put some money on them. And if I lose, fuck it. That's just what it is. And that's just the way I am right now, you know, and that's how I'm living. Guys, uh, that was a, you know, that's it for the episode. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, I'm so glad to be back to two a week. I do have video.
that I'm experimenting with, just like doing basic shit so I can get maybe one episode a week up and trying to do, but it's a whole different process as far as editing now. You know, sound wise, you know, it's going to take miles from, you know, anywhere from four to eight hours for one episode on my end. And then now for the video side, it's going to take, you know, days to edit. So I'm trying to figure this out. I'm not going to do this shit ghetto, and I'm, you know, but um, speaking of video, Twitch, I got my Twitch name. I'm going to start using it. Everyone's telling me that they do their breaks on there. I'm going to start doing more breaks and start breaking more shit, you know, basketball, football, all the whole nine. And uh, yeah, man, look, guys, I will see you guys on Sunday. Uh, I'm sorry, Sunday. What the fuck am I talking about? Monday, we will find out who the fuck won the Super Bowl and we'll get the weekend wrap up and all that good stuff. But yo, I love you guys. Always remember, this is not your practice life. All right, y'all. Another episode out. We are almost at 250. BTB Army, I cannot tell you how grateful, how appreciative I am of you guys making this show number one in 17 countries now. Was it 19? And we didn't drop, but now we're in the top 10 in 10 more countries. So we spread out more and it fluctuates, right? But BTB Army, you guys are something special. When Jordan Winter of the Dust Brothers told me that podcast listeners are the most loyal, I am so looking forward to doing these live podcast shows, especially New York, San Francisco, you know, these big cities to test waters out. Man, shout out to Popeye at Dave & Buster's because we're going to be doing our first LA one at Dave & Buster's in Hollywood. It's going to be fucking lit. It's going to be a fucking great time. Again, thank you guys. I cannot tell you. Seriously, times 100, the gratitude that I have for everyone that listens to this show. All right. So I'll see you guys on Monday. Please be safe. Make sure you go out there and bet and uh, have a good fucking time. All right, y'all. I'm out of here. Yo, Lakey Lake. Um, sorry, your Arizona Cardinals ain't just, I don't know what the fuck's going on with your boy Kyler. But yo, Lakey, take us out of here, man. Throw on some beats. All right, y'all. Peace. <laughs>